I'm Jules. And I'm Sophia. And this is <laughs> the Austin Archives. Archives. Ooh, that sounded so much better. Yeah. Simple reminder, uh, you know, that this was the first book that Jane Austen published in what was it nine eighteen eleven something yes. like that yes this her first book published yeah uh, published under a lady that's that's all we got until later don't know when not looking at the the good old Wikipedia page but that's what I know I like need to bring this up every time we talk about this just because yeah. their ages are so important to me. Eleanor is 19, Marianne is 16 and a half, and Margaret, the always forgotten sister, is 13. Margaret, we love you. Hope to see you soon. Yeah, two weeks from now. Oh, yay. Finally. Finally, Margaret, you're back. <laughs> we missed you so much. A little bit of background about this adaptation. This is my first time watching this version of Sense of Sensibility. Oh yeah, definitely, and and mine too. Yeah, and I love the BBC a lot, and they do try, but they also don't get it all the way right sometimes. Um. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yep. Uh, I feel like that's an accurate statement. That it was made in 1981 by the BBC. <laughs> it's uh i watched it as a seven part episode mini series each of them about 30 ish under 30 minutes long totaling three hours i know yeah. that's so informational but that's what i can do without looking <laughs> too far into it it's on prime video prime yes that's how i watched it too <laughs> good old amazon prime yeah yep um and then, yeah, the two actresses, I mean, I don't, I've, like, never seen them in anything else. I'm pretty sure I would have remembered because they're both pretty distinctive looking. But Irene Richards is Eleanor and Tracy Childs is um, Marianne. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I know, like, usually when I watch period pieces, I feel like I recognize at least one person, actor, actress whomever and I really did not in this one just like as a sense of awareness that I had of just like who are these people yeah it was it was super crazy um because like you said especially no offense England but you've only got like 10 actors <laughs> uh like at any given time so to not recognize any of these faces in a BBC production was pretty weird yeah I feel like it's I watch a lot of BBC things and so to be like not visually recognizing anyone felt strange yeah well and as we mentioned um well okay so we talked about this last week but I don't think it made into the final cut uh for the episode but we watch a lot of BBC because BBC knows exactly what we want as Jane Austen fans. So and true. that is always more Jane Austen. 
all the content of Jane now. Like, every 10 years, at least, there's a remake of uh, Pride and Prejudice, which is amazing. Yes, not complaining whatsoever about that one. This episode's quote is from chapter 48, and it's from Eleanor, because she has all the best quotes. Um, I will be calm. I will be mistress of myself. So, I don't know. Jules, you said this spoke to you? Yeah. uh, Just, I think really just for this adaptation, for whatever reasons, I'm, I'm really feeling it. Just to hearken back to how much... Eleanor feels under her sensible exterior. I think that really came out in this particular adaptation about how how much she puts on this front and then just is kind of falling apart in various places and spaces when she's allowed to. And again, to go... Um, like we were talking before about how when Edward shows up and he's like, hey, guess what? Not married. She gets this moment to just like not be calm and just be, you know, walking out into the woods because she's like, what? Um, So I think that I was just kind of thinking about that particular moment and Eleanor's characterization for that quote for this adaptation yeah and I think that is um I just I really like her characterization in this adaptation mm-hmm. a lot more than the last one because um, it's just she still feels you know she still has emotions and just because she has a better handle on them than the rest of her family doesn't necessarily mean that she doesn't experience those emotions at all. Right, for sure. And I think uh, just also in the adaptation, I think uh, there was this moment when Marianne was feeling better and the the concept of Edward Ferris came up again and... Eleanor definitely was feeling some feelings and Mrs. Dashwood was saying to Eleanor something along the lines of, oh, I I forgot about you, Eleanor. And it was just like, again, one of those moments of like, we we forget, you know, that Eleanor has all of these feelings and just has trained herself to be in charge of her how much she's really feeling under the surface. And it's just a good reminder that Eleanor has a right to feel those feelings and she was definitely feeling them in this adaptation and good for her. Do you, what do you, do you have anything you want to talk about first? I mean, so (laughs) my first note and it's consistent across all seven episodes, the opening of this mini series is Eleanor and Marion on a seesaw. And each time I said to the screen and nobody else, God, that's mad creepy. Because it was. <laughs> yeah, and it's like they weren't even having fun. No. Like they were just, <laughs> They're just staring, like staring at, each, at other. each other. Yeah. 
No, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And the music, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have a lot to say about the music. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. It's not great. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So just seeing that seven different times, I was just like, oh, God. Here we go. And it does, like, the dramatic zoom on both their faces. And I'm like, well, what are we doing out here, guys? Um, the idea of just the drama in this one, I think, yeah. is... I actually would say it's more palpable, even though it's much more understated. I don't know if that makes any sense. It definitely does. I, I had the same or similar thought throughout this, even though I felt like the the previous version that we did the 1970 whatever um like the the drama was like at a hardcore 11 all the time it was delightful in a way but this was like very the drama was there and maybe also high but at like it was in, always in the background, and the music was there to really help it out, you know? Draw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It was so... I don't know, like, this is... I guess we kind of talk about things non-linearly, but um, the party, the two parties where... Um, Eleanor runs into Willoughby again after like yeah. months of no contact. Yeah. Um, so we saw in the last the last one that it happened during the same party as like meeting Mrs. Ferris. There was like so many things going on. And then yeah. Marianne just like starts screaming, sobbing, and it was just like so much. And then yeah. this one, it's, it's a lot. different party, right? Yeah. Uh, it was definitely which, things about I forget exactly what party it was but there was a different context to this version yeah this one was more like a like a social a social gathering where like not everybody knew each other because we see uh, Robert Ferris also gets introduced to the Dashwood sisters oh my gosh Robert Ferris we'll come back oh my god we have so much to talk about with him but uh <laughs> before we do the you know she runs up to Willoughby like Marianne runs up to Willoughby and she you know is like why aren't you talking to me and he you know is kind of just giving her a blank stare and then when she like is I can't remember if she's pulled away by Eleanor if she kind of just wanders away but she's clearly like she's shaking she's pale she's upset but she's not loud about it right so I think everyone else can tell but it's not like a scene scene and then Brandon and Eleanor very quickly get her out of there instead of just leaving her to languish on the couch (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was a like you know really weird decision for the last one to make um so I think yeah for for that one particular scene uh, in this adaptation, I liked how they handled it a lot better. Yeah, it was definitely a different 
tone than the 1971 and the fact that you know that earlier version of Eleanor was again at like a hardcore 10 like yelling screaming giving us all secondhand embarrassment etc and this time around I feel like the the tone was a little lower but still I don't know the the wording that I feel like she used a lot um over and over again when I think Eleanor did kind of like slowly pull her away from that situation that's kind of my memory of it but when they like sat down together and then Colonel Brandon came over he was like why doesn't he talk to me it's like all right simmer down please (laughs) but at least you're not giving me secondhand embarrassment (laughs) yeah see and that and that's the thing too is that like I mentioned this I think a little bit before we started recording but the secondhand embarrassment that we both felt in the last one, I would say was definitely, I was, I was secondhand embarrassed about some things, but it wasn't like a consistent, oh my God, here we go again. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a lot, a lot more consistent to what I feel like Marianne's drama level is in the book. Yeah. And that, that is one of the things that I really appreciated actually about this the way they portrayed her in this adaptation she says things like oh that would be immodest or you know that would be not proper or however she phrases it she says that a couple of times and I liked it because even though you know I don't think she comes straight out and says that in the book ever but it is kind of drawing this like she clearly has this boundary that she does cross once in a while, but at least she's aware of it being there, which is not something the last one had, like, at all. <laughs> yeah, this Marianne definitely has some self-awareness, to say the least. Yeah. So, um, yeah. For her. Oh, she is... Poor Marianne. She's only 16 and a half. I know. I always have to remember that. Like, I think... Even re-listening, I'm not technically rereading it. I'm rereading it in some way. Listening to it on audiobook. Uh, just have to keep reminding myself that these characters are so much younger than I, I feel like they have been for so long in my head because I've been so used to the adaptations painting them as much older that I have to reframe how I'm looking at both of their characters and characterizations which is helpful, but also a weird thing to deal with. Yeah, yeah, and I, and that's the thing too. And I know we talked about this a little bit last time, but they are—they're so young in the mm-hmm. book, you know. And even Eleanor, you know, she acts; she's very mature for her age. And I guess this would have been expected during this time period because, you know, being nineteen, you were like a full-fledged adult. Um, yeah. But I mean, 16 and a half, and I liked that too in the first episode, um, the one time they're on that saw, like that saw, <laughs> in the entire seven-part series, the one yeah. time, one time. Um, you know, Marianne is saying something like, you know, she expects too much of men, so she's going to die alone. 
And right. Eleanor says something like, oh, that's such a that's such a 16 and a half year old thing to say. <laughs> and then like gets up and like leaves Marianne just like plummeting towards the ground, like shocked that her sister would call her out like that. Yeah, um, I, I loved that kind of a lot. <laughs> and if that had been the scene they used in the opening sequence, I wouldn't have been that weirded out, but it very clearly wasn't. Right. It was just the stare down rather than like the sisterly back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. I'm going to be honest. I liked Edward's character more in this mm. uh, adaptation. See, I, ha- I had mixed reviews overall. I I think I spent a lot of time over these episodes that Edward was in really focusing on the hair. No. <laughs> and... <laughs> That hair, oh gosh, what was my note about it? Hold on, let's see. Um, I know I wrote about it. I know I did it. Where is it? Okay, here we go. Honestly, what is up with Edward's hair? Who made this choice for him? It does not actor this. Uh, does not flatter this actor in any way. Please no. So that's my note about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say when I say that I liked his, like, I like the way he's portrayed, like, mannerisms and the way he talks. Right. But, um, and I guess this isn't necessarily the poor actor's fault. Because um, <laughs> it's not his fault that he looks like that. But, I hope not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the the hairline was a bit much, um, I will say. Yeah. And, uh, like, his hair was blonde, but it was clearly dyed, you know, because his eyebrows were a different color. And I was just really, and every time, and his pants were very not well fitted. I'm sorry, whoever did the costume designing on this movie, but you need to fit your pants better. Please. Um, They were, like, 70s. It looked like something you would... Like, no, you're in 81 at the very least. <laughs> He's wearing, like, a pair of slacks that look like what a businessman would have worn, like, 10 years ago. So. Yeah, some some of those clothing choices. I was like, which decade are we in? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think the hair just really just caught a lot of my focus and just distracted me from the characterization of Edward. Uh, however... I feel like he he didn't really come off as bumbling as the previous 1970s version, which I appreciated, but I also kind of missed awkward Edward. Where are you at, Boo? Miss you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess the the Edward in this did feel awkward to me. Maybe not as awkward as he could have been but there are definitely times like okay so when he proposes to uh, or he goes to propose to Eleanor sure um and makes a huge mess of it he he like wants to go away because he thinks that Marianne and Mrs. Dashwood are laughing at him and that the reason why Eleanor ran away wasn't just because she was overwhelmed with her feelings and didn't know what to do but instead like that she didn't want to see him at all 
Right. Yeah, that I think that was like the one time that awkward Edward showed up. I was like, oh, there you are. Yeah. Also, that whole scene when the the big reveal of his brother being married and not him was hilarious, but also so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like they straight up just laugh in his face. Everybody. It was just like, ah, just like freaks out. Like, why are you laughing at this moment? Like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> right. And I was like, yeah, again, going back to like, what, are, what is this choice that we're making right now? A part of me could not help but laugh because it was just like that, you know, that situation was just like, oh, boy. Uh, oh, yeah. But also- I mean, I completely sympathized with Eleanor in just being like, oh, my God, the guy I'm in love with actually isn't married. And I thought he was married, but now he's not. And oh, my God, he's here in front of me. And oh, my God, what do I do? Oh, I know. I guess I'll just run away. Run away to the woods. Same. Yeah. But, I, and honestly, I, I liked that choice that Eleanor made. I have, a, like, and we did talk about this a little bit last time, too, with the 1971 portrayal of Eleanor and how she was, like, too put together almost. Right. You know, like, going back to that proposal scene and how she made Edward stand up so she could put her handkerchief down. So he could have somewhere to kneel and not get muddy and just being like, what is going on here? Um, But this one, she's like, she doesn't know what to do with her emotions. And then he catches up to her and he says something to the effect of, I want to marry you. And she just blurts out, I love you. She doesn't say, yeah, I'll marry you or anything like that. No, she just, and it sounds like she can't help but say it in that moment, which I thought was like a great choice like from that actress to say it like that um because it just made Eleanor seem you know like a 19 year old right yeah yeah that was a pretty pure moment I love you there were a bunch of questions we had about the plot that the last adaptation didn't answer Uh, a a Mm -hmm. big one being how did Lucy land uh edward's brother still a question i have go on we've got now it's almost like the screenwriter for this adaptation uh tried to give us all the answers and to even to some questions i wasn't really asking (laughs) (laughs) yeah like the opening scene they talk about why moreland's not their home and i was I was like, is this a necessary? See, like, nobody is asking this question right now. Somebody was. I don't know. Yeah, maybe the scriptwriter, but it's, you, <laughs> you know, you just expect men at that age, like in that time and age, to inherit the property. It was just like, all right, this is like a five minute conversation I could do without. And then, like, the whole Fanny trying to get the plates from Mrs. Dashwood, that was really out of place. Uh, yeah. but she's like no I'm taking the furniture because it's mine and was given to me by my family on my marriage and so I guess that explains why they have stuff you know there's just so much of that where I was just like okay I could, I probably could have done without this explanation but I guess I appreciate it yeah 
I think I was wondering a lot about just the, I guess we would call it expose, like all the, all the information that you might want to know kind of deal from the plot. And my, my thinking was just to paint John and Fanny as kind of the villains of the piece. And just how, uh, I think the words that I wrote in my notes are not even secretly evil. Yeah. Just the ways in which they were very clearly manipulating each other and trying to manipulate all the rest of the Dashwoods. And it was, yeah, cold, to say the least. Yeah, Uh, I completely agree. That's something I actually wrote about, too. Um, just the way even that opening scene with John and Fanny in the book Fanny is obviously like a manipulative mean spirited woman Um, but John is kind of just like a bumbling like not he doesn't really know what to do so he just kind of listens to his wife and like isn't very smart so when she tells him stuff she you know he believes her Um, and this one he was very conscient like I even noticed in that first conversation we have, some of the lines he was speaking in the book are Fanny's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, like how he talks about how it would be a hardship on his son to give his, you know, sisters and, and mother, what is it, 100 pounds or something like that? Yeah. A year or something? 100. Or um, and I think it, at one point they also said 50. So unclear. But yeah, yeah. Look. So like some unspecified small amount. And he says it would be hard on his son where in the book. That's something that he tentatively brings forth. And Fanny says that's going to be too much for their son. Mm-hmm. So it was just, yeah, this, this adaptation was very clearly trying to set up a villain um, which I think Fanny would have been fine on her own, and it probably would have been more effective if it showed, too, how she was, like, taking their brother for a fool, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, no, so he... Yeah, and then that whole scene uh, where after Edward's engagement is found up, he, like, calls Marianne and Eleanor to his house and is like, we need to have a family meeting, you know? <laughs> And I was just like, what is this? This is not in the... This is crazy. Yeah, that was added plot for, I guess, just trauma? I don't... I don't know. Yeah, it was so... It was so bizarre to me. And he really thought they were going to listen to him. (laughs) And then he was, like, trying... I think, though, that last moment when they just brushed by him without saying anything and leave and he's still trying to talk to them I thought I saw for a moment just like a recognition of like the fact that they wouldn't listen to him was his fault because of how he treated them but maybe I was reading into it I don't know I mean there was definitely a a look but I don't know yeah, I guess I didn't really have a, a firm idea about what that meant. I, I didn't know if it was just like a regret or uh, just more of a, 
maybe pettiness of, meh, they're not listening to me. I mean, but that whole sequence where it gets, like, Lucy's sister spilling the beans, uh, and Fanny, Fanny's reaction, that was a Marianne on the couch at that party in 1971. Mm, Her screams were just so over the top. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, the only secondhand embarrassment I got was from that version of Fanny. I was just like, whoa, okay, what are we doing? Yeah, screaming about the trollops in our home. (laughs) Trollops. God bless. But yeah, I mean, I know, so that scene about the, you know, break with with John and his sisters. Um, I guess that gave us more information on what had been done to Edward in the aftermath. I guess that's why that scene was there. Maybe, Um, yeah. But yeah, that and just like building up Robert's uh, character with (laughs) he goes (laughs) on this like at length speech to uh, Sir Sir John uh, Middleton about how his brother is ruined because he doesn't know how to dress himself and look at Robert in his fancy clothes. Uh, uh, Robert Harris's monocle is something that I want to talk about for maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just, yeah, like Robert Ferris. I feel like he he doesn't really show up too much in my mind, in other adaptations, as much as I feel like I really noticed him in this one. And he was just so fancy. And then just made it so much extra with that sweet, sweet monocle. That I was like, is he also the villain of the piece? I I guess yes. He's just so flamboyant like that. He was like wearing a velvet red jacket when uh, Mm -hmm. we were first introduced to him. Yeah, I feel like him and Willoughby were also just like very flamboyant. I was not sure why those choices were being made. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but at least I guess we finally got our answer of like, how did they meet? Well, they met at Mrs. Ferris's party. And <laughs> yeah, then they got married. And the reason Robert wasn't disowned is because the way Mrs. Ferris changed her will meant that she couldn't change it back. Mm-hmm. Sure. I guess. Yeah. I guess that's true. Oh, at least in this adaptation. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure things aren't as clear cut in the book. Although, uh, like I was telling you before this, but I may have conflated the Margaret of the book with the Margaret of the 1995 movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly my memory is not the best. Um, <laughs> yeah, I still haven't listened to Census Sensibility all the way through. So we can just kind of generally shrug and be like, we're just trying, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I feel like it was also interesting, I don't know why, but the, the this characterization of Willoughby read to me somewhat as a, a queer-coded character, 
just like he the way that he was like moving and acting sometimes I was just like what what are we doing right now don't know if you got that but that's something that I feel like I was well I think yeah I was gonna say I think you mentioned it a little earlier um how similar you thought like Willoughby and Robert were in some Mm -hmm. in some way yeah um, and I think that that's actually kind of the vibe I got to for both of them. Uh, so yeah. I wasn't sure how you felt about Robert, but just kind of like the extra care they put into their appearance and the fashion statements they were making, um, that to me felt like they weren't so concerned with, you know, although I guess it's true that, um, Willoughby talks about hunting a lot but I was gonna say the things that he talks about and the things that Robert talks about I don't know they're both not what you would typically associate with men of that era talking about yeah and so yeah I mean I definitely I, I could see it that way and it did occur to me as you know I was watching this Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I would agree that Robert Ferris also, I was wondering about, I was just like, Hmm, I wonder if this is something that is, was directly thought about or just, um, is reading to me like a, a queer coded character of like very much over the top, interestingly more, in tune with fashion choices rather than females only picking females because of their money and status. I don't know. All questions that I have to wonder about. If if Robert were attracted to men, that would explain to me a lot more how Lucy is able to snap him up so quickly because they've known each other for like what all of a month or or whatever. Sure. Um, yeah. And. Maybe. And that's the reason why his brother is disowned is because, you know, she was recently engaged to him. So, you know, I, I just think, you know, it would it would have been easier for me to believe that marriage could happen that quickly if it wasn't actually something that Robert was that invested in anyway, you know? Yeah. All good queries to wonder about, I think. I think one of the other things I wanted to bring up was the relationship between um, Marianne and Colonel Brandon. Ooh, okay. Um, Because I think, honestly, it's set up... And this is one of the things that I liked about the ending, actually, is that it doesn't end with anything lovey-dovey between them, really. It's just kind of like she's getting to know him and she's trying to improve her like and she's starting to like him right like in the last adaptation uh colonel brandon grabs marianne's hand and holds it i was like okay this is like zero to 60 super fast here (laughs) um but in this one he's like i brought you a present it's books so that you can read them and we can talk about them and then she's like i will read them right away um and that's to me, felt much more organic than just being like, I hate you, and then three days later, I love you, you know? <laughs> sure, yes. 
would agree. Yeah. I think I also just liked Colonel Brandon more in this adaptation than the last one. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know. There were a couple of issues I, I had with this one, but I, I liked him better overall because he was much more emotional in the way that like he hears uh, he thinks he hears with certainty that Marianne and Willoughby are most definitely engaged. And he has this moment of grief with Eleanor where he's like, please tell me it's not too late. Um, which I really liked, especially given like, okay, he's afraid that, I mean, he loves Marianne, but he's also afraid that she is going to be brought down by Willoughby's personality because he, you know, he impregnated uh, his, his ward um, and then left her with like no address, you know, no place to be like, here, I'll, I'll come back and get you. Like, you know, just, just impregnated her and left, which is something in, in this, and you know the day and age that this was taking place then this is basically a death warrant you know right absolutely yeah i mean i i loved this colonel brandon a lot more than the former version to be sure i felt like they definitely gave him a lot more time and a lot more backstory so he was just like a really well-rounded out character and it was also in the same club as Eleanor seems to be each adaptation is like we stand Colonel Brandon oh yeah here for him um but I was wondering about that scene where he comes and he's like is it too late um and he says something along the lines of have I no chance of succeeding and that was something that I again it's been a while since I've and I'm not there in this rereading slash re-listening I'm doing with Sense and Sensibility, but I know that that Have I No Chance of Succeeding line is from Emma, but I wasn't sure if it also happened in Sense and Sensibility. So if it happened in Emma, I'm going to say probably not, because even though there are recurring themes in all of Jane Austen's work, I'm pretty sure she never reused words. Right. That's my thought and why I kind of wrote it up and I was like wait hold on I know Mr. Knightley says this but I don't know if Colonel Brandon would say it yeah I don't and I don't think you know just from Bruno Bruno. I don't know what that word was (laughs) just from Colonel Brandon's character um, I don't know if that's something he would say in the book um, but this Colonel Brandon in this adaptation, um, yeah, I don't know. It seemed, it seemed more fitting for his character to say it. Right. I mean, it definitely suited him more in this adaptation, but just, you know, those exact words, I was like, hmm, all right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm fairly certain, again, huge asterisks but I'm fairly certain that he doesn't say that in the book. Right. So. Yeah. 
Overall, I think I liked it better than the last one. There were some things I liked about the last one more, but yeah, uh, like in terms of the plot, I felt like, yeah, I got answers, but I don't know if I needed as many as this one was giving me. So I kind of like the, the less is more approach from the last one. Sure. Um, but I think the characterizations in this one were much more true to form. Um, and I think the acting overall was just better. Um, yeah. Music, music for the last one was definitely better in terms of being an accompaniment, like an accompaniment, being in an accompaniment. Yes, there we go. There you go. <laughs> the music was definitely like better paired, uh, I guess is what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, you know. I don't know. That's just how I feel. Mm-hmm. I think I would pretty much it. This is like, again, one of those, like, I think we're twins, you know? I, I think I would agree with all those of like, I really liked this adaptation for the way that I think the characters were more rounded out. I think we've used that terminology before. It's true. So I'm just going to use it again. I definitely thought that they were like, spent more time on everybody and the pacing was much better you know the one before I felt like it was just really rushed all the way through and we didn't really get to spend time getting to know the characters and I think this one took a little bit more time to be like here are the people um okay so on a scale of Edward's hair to character development what would you say um Six and a quarter out of ten. Colonel Brandon's with a book. All right. Perfect. (laughs) And then the quote that I thought we would leave everyone with today, if I can find it, um, is, again, a Mrs. Jennings quote, which is how we ended the episode last time. Yeah. (laughs) But it's a different one. (laughs) Um. I wish you no. I wish you no more sorrows and much future happiness. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think we all we all need that. Thank you, Mrs. Jennings. Mrs. Jennings, gosh, you really are a well loved character in my book, but also like underloved, also. Yeah. And um, yeah, why why that quote? I just feel like you know in this adaptation in particular, we, we see the suffering that Eleanor and Marianne go through is much more palpable for me, at least. Like, we talked about earlier, even though, you know, Marianne's not, like, screaming, sobbing in the middle of a party, the way that you can see her waste away, it's not like she suddenly gets ill. You know, we can see her getting paler and paler and paler and refusing to eat. Yeah. Um, and then Eleanor... Yeah, and then Eleanor um, and her suffering and her being so close to tears, it seems like, so often. But, you know, scaling it back because her sister needs her, she's in public, and she needs to be strong. Um, I think they've had enough suffering. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I think this version, like you said, does a really good job at really 
spending time to analyze how much is really going on with their housing and with their relationships with each other and to one another. Just like the suffering is there and they deserve to have happiness. And they find it. Yay. Yay. Woohoo. Next week we'll be talking about the 1995 movie, finally. Finally. Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman. And Hugh Grant and Kate Winslet. The big names. It's going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's the one that I've watched the most often. So I feel like it's one of my favorites. So there might be some biases. And we'll explore that. Just like a couple. Just, Just, you know, it's not like this was the first thing we ever saw of Sense and Sensibility or anything like that. Or nothing. Yeah. Nothing like that. It is. What a biased <laughs> Pshaw <laughs> uh, wants me to look at the 1995 one Love that version We'll get to that soon Oh that one's going to be so fun to talk about Love that version A lot No not that one either. There's so many sense of sensibilities, y'all.